Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, welcome to this week's edition of the Blues Talk. Again, John, Dave, and myself. We're going to look back over Leinster's victory at the weekend. Uh, also look at Munster's victory against uh, Connacht. And, of course, preview our game against Munster uh, in the, on the weekend, too, from the Aviva. So, uh, boys, 28-10 against Ulster. Um, we made 15 changes to the starting team, but uh, as though we didn't skip a beat, just continued on, 23 victories in a row. Yeah, it's kind of phenomenal, isn't it? To be able to make 15 changes and just fairly well hammer a team that are... Uh, well, hammer is probably the wrong word, but to, to com- com- comprehensively beat a team that uh, were fairly strong. Like, okay, they weren't 100%, but they were... I think you said 85%, Jason. They were, well, I, I just, I, I actually, before we started, I just had a look. They had eight players who started in both games. And then they had nine other guys who started one game and were on the bench for the other game. So, you know, like they had pretty fairly sizable amount of their 23 were common to both games. So they just kind of mixed and matched fellas in from one game to the other, but pretty much the same 23 for both games with a few, few exceptions. And so I, like, I and some, some of the exceptions, some of the younger players are guys that'll be you know, that Leinster or Ulster are hoping will be, you know, uh, 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 stalwarts over the next decade. Guys like Tom O'Toole, Eric O'Sullivan. Um, those are guys oh, Ulster have a lot of... Your man Bill game. Johnson was one of the guys. Yeah. That only was on the bench for one game. Yeah. A lot of the younger players that, got, that, 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 that either started or came on are guys that they really, really have a big... Uh, big... Uh, Hopes of for the, that they'll be part of the Ulster team for for a decade or but more. So. I think that's the um, difference between the two sides is that we played thirty five players, so the coaches are quite willing to trust a B team. Do you know what I mean? Like there's kind of a, a very large squad, whereas Ulster pretty much stuck to their core. Like if you say there was seventeen players that played either both games or featured start and a bench on in their squad. So like that's that's not really given a whole the whole squad a rotation. Whereas Leinster certainly like they, they use thirty five players and change the start to fifteen, the entire starting fifteen. And also there was word that the Leinster team that may or may not start this week were kinda playing together last week in advance of the Ulster game, like they were actually training for, for this this week's match. Yeah. Um, so you know, to, to be able to do that, it's kind of do you know? It's like it's like to say, they they have this culture thing where it doesn't matter if you're playing for. I heard a guy interviewed there recently, uh, one of the academy manager and under twenties manager who was saying that it doesn't matter if you're playing Ulster, under eighteens, under sixteens, under twenties, ace team, B team, 
C team, whatever the hell you're playing, it's you're re representing Leinster and you're not letting the standards down. And if you, even if you're a top guy and you're playing in an A game, there's no way you're giving your phone in it in. You're just not, that's, that's not part of the ethos. Like you just can't do that. Uh, and it kind of shows, you know, um, and to be able to, to be able to do that is just, it's just great. You know, it's, it just shows, okay, it's not going to last forever. There's something's going to happen eventually that's going to push them out of this zone that they're in at the moment. But while they're in it, let's, let's enjoy it, you know. Yeah, we thought we were in a golden generation 10 years ago. It looks like we're in a, in a, in a platinum generation now, you know. There's and, an uh, element of um, that it becomes kind of a, a, a self-fulfilling kind of a, a self-replicating kind of machine more than anything. Because... The re one of the reasons why the B team are so good is that they get to practice against the A team every week. One of the reasons yeah. why the why the uh, A team is so good because they get to practice with the B team uh, every week. There's a, there was a there used to be kind of a joke um, in hurling that the toughest game Kilkenny had every year was the final practice match before the All Ireland final team was named because they had such a strong panel. And there's an element of that to Leinster as well that the the, the depth of the panel is so great. I mean. Okay, there's guys in the Leinster squad who are internationals and stalwarts for Ireland and stalwarts for Leinster. But the guys who are backing them up, you know, it's kind of a flip of a coin who's the better player and, or who's the more likely to start because they've just reached that level of quality. I mean, there's no difference between Porter and, and Furlong. James Ryan has come along. Ryan Baird is pushing him along. And then there's the, the plethora of guys in the back row, guys in the centre, like the... Like the the horde of O'Briens that have developed, uh, Frawley, who's been a, a exceptional in this period. So it's it's it, it's it's an interesting it's an interesting problem for uh, Lancaster and Cullen, but I'm sure it's one that uh, I love that they appreciate. I have to say though, when I saw the two teams been selected, I thought we could lose here. Um, like just, I was really was concerned, and but like. While we were good, I thought Ulster were terrible. They made Especially the first half. They were fairly like good. God. They made so many mistakes. Like oh, I don't know. I'm just thinking back to like experience internationals. Like Madigan, you know, it was an up and under put to him, and he just stood there and it went between his between his arms, knocked it on. It was a he. I think Cooney flung a pass at. Uh, Jordy Murphy, and he knocked it on when they were kind of 10 metres out, outside our line. Just these fundamental errors. And like, it was interesting to see McFarland at the end, he said, well, something's going wrong because we're, we're training at a high intensity. We're not making errors when we're, when we're doing it in matches, but, or sorry, when we're doing it in training. But we just can't seem to transfer that into the, onto the match day. And like, that could be a concern for them. They've obviously got to go We'll come to we'll come to their semi final against Edinburgh, but like it could be a concern for them, you know, because they're certainly not clicking. But in saying that, like if Cooney had got that try, um, if it hadn't have been disallowed, it was marginal, it was very was, marginal. No, what it was very marginal. I mean, like you know, I thought he was offside myself, but like I've seen those given. And if he had an extra pair of socks on, he would have been onside, you know. Yeah, and like if that had been given, it would have brought them back to I think it was a four points. But I'm 
maybe even closer. I can't remember exactly. Because yeah, I think we scored shortly. We scored a try just shortly after that, didn't we? Yeah, almost immediately afterwards. Yeah. Um, so like it was a big swing. Ulster, for whatever reason, out of all four provinces, haven't managed their comeback well. Yeah. Uh, Connacht have looked good. Obviously, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the game against Munster. But Connacht looked good against Ulster. Uh, Munster and Leinster, we've seen. Um, so, for whatever reason, and, and, and as you say, Jay, they're doing things that in a million years those guys would never do. Jordy Murphy dropping balls, Ian Madigan dropping balls, uh, John Cooney, his form seems to have fallen off a cliff. Um, in fairness, Ian Madigan's been in the wilderness for the past year. Oh, yeah, but they, these, are, these, these are good rugby players. You know, they are good rugby players. It's not like, it's not like they're rubbish. They're good rugby players, but they're just not playing well collectively or individually at this point in time. And they're the one province that hasn't clicked since it came back. I'd say, I'd say funnily enough, I'd say Kieran Marmion is hopping that he wasn't picked against, uh, against Munster because he played very, very well against Ulster. Um, John Cooney played very poorly against Connacht and then had obviously a, a poor enough game along with many others indeed, it has to be said, against Leinster. And Marmion, I'd say, might have appreciated that an, another opportunity to press his claims for, for the autumn yeah. internationals when it, or the winter internationals, whatever they're going to be called. Uh, whenever they happen. So, but but for whatever reason, Ulster individually and collectively just haven't clicked on their comeback from 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 the lockdown. So, they they yeah. they they don't they, they're going to have to click pretty bloody quickly. Yeah, well, just uh, you say clicking like I was. I thought Frawley just had a, another great game. Like I rarely, I mean, I, I don't know how many matches he's played for us. Maybe say twenty matches so far in his career. I've yeah, rarely I seen him put a. Was that? He had a couple of shaky ones early on. He, did, he was intercepted and charged down and stuff. But you know, yeah, I, okay. I agree. But he, like he's, I think he's just he's coming, he's turning into a great player. Like the makings well, of a great player, I should say. We have a question on Twitter, Jerry, about Frawley. Uh, it's from Brian Hughes, and he asks, should Frawley consider becoming a fifteen slash twelve instead of a ten, given the way the game is going, and also considering Burn and Burn Ella being solely tens. He's tall, could put on a few kg if needed, can kick pass and read a game, a real future prospect. Definitely. Yeah, and, and you know, the, depending on which the fashion is, like there was a fashion, which I know you didn't really like, Dave, of the, of the, the 10 and 12 being kind of distributors. No, uh, I do like that, I, 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 I do like that. Day. And then there's, a, there's another a tradition, or you know, uh, what would I say? Uh, a type of game that's played, like Saracens played with the Alex Good coming in at 15, uh, coming into the line and being a distributor or being a, a first receiver or whatever. That's the one I don't like. Uh, yeah. Well, maybe I mix them up. So, um, you know, there's, there's two positions that you can play in that you can be, you know, that you can distribute from or that you, your distri distribution can be, you know, uh, a big asset in. And I think Frawley, that's the three positions Frawley plays, 10, 12, 15. He's also a very big lad, which is, will suit 12. You know, when Madigan was playing 12, he's not the hugest guy in the world. So he was definitely in that second playmaker mode where uh, someone like Frawley, he's six foot three and, you know, not, not exactly skinny. So he could, and he's only quite young. So he could uh, also, like you say, put on a bit of beef. Uh, the one thing I would say is, though, look at what happened to Robbie Henshaw against... England when he switched back to 15 after a long absence that he what they said about him was that he too much too much bulk on him to, to play to cover the ground at 15 
because you have to cover cover so much ground that he was maybe too bulked up. Um, yeah, he, he was against one of the best. Oh, absolutely. Number number, best. number tens who was pinging yeah. it all around in a position he hadn't played in years. Absolutely. Like, oh. like I mean, I, like I was I was just saying to Dave actually before we started, like I wouldn't discount. You know, let's, and let's, I'm not talking about tomorrow. I'm talking about in a number of years' time. Mm-hmm. Moving Henshaw back to fullback and then moving Frawley into 12 so that you have, you're getting all your best players on the pitch. And, you know, like Henshaw, like if, if you think Henshaw, I mean, Henshaw, this has got to really put pressure under Henshaw that there's a guy, a kid coming through who's going to challenge him for the, that 12 jersey. You know, he probably hasn't had his position questions since he arrived and probably since he started playing rugby. It probably yeah. hasn't been putting him under severe pressure at well. Um, you know? I thought it was I, I, I think I, I, I think what you're saying is right and I think it was interesting that against Munster anyway, he's his game seemed to have have evolved a little bit. He was using um little kicks and stuff, which he has in his locker. We've seen him do it in the past. Um more. But no I I, I think I always think a team should have a second five eight somewhere in its quiver. Whether it's on the pitch or somewhere in the squad, you should always have that guy uh, because it enables you to play a different kind of rugby. So if you have that guy, and he's also, as you say, John, six foot three and and a big guy, so he can play a more orthodox inside centre role, then you know that guy becomes gold dust. So yeah. And but when when was the last time you saw a really big fullback, Chris Latham? I mean, I'm sure you can think of other examples, but like it, it's not. Saturday. Your man from Northampton, remember the guy that was the son, Malander's son? He was a big lad. Yeah, he's fairly big, actually. That guy was playing fullback for Ulster at the weekend was pretty big. (laughs) (laughs) See, I knew you'd pull up a few that would make you look (laughs) good. But generally, it's not a position for big guys, uh, which 12 increasingly is, uh, you know. So what, what you're saying about the the second 5-8 thing, look at what England do with with George Ford and and, uh, Farrell. You know, that's exactly what they do. And the two distributors on the park, they can do all kinds of fancy shit. Uh, but they don't do it for the whole game. They do it to change up the game, which, you know, it's a great, like you just said, it's a great thing to have in your in your quiver to be able to move guys around to, to, to you know, to have either a distributor of 15, a distributor of 12. Obviously, you're always going to have a distributor of 10. Um, and yeah, and even in if, a, if you have a guy who can play all three positions, not necessarily you're going to start him in all three positions, but that even during play, you can change around. You know, he can move to fullback or he can move to, you know, just on certain strike plays or certain defensive plays or, you know, you have all these options. And let's face it, options are what create, uh, you know, havoc in the minds of your opposition. If you've been setting up one way for a whole game and all of a sudden you're setting up a different way, and you know, you confuse the shit out of your opposition, which is, Half of what the what the game is about. Yeah, no, like having having that kind of flexibility, that tactical flexibility, that positional flexibility, either on the pitch or on the bench, is is massive. Especially if you, if you see teams now <coughs> following that trend. I don't know how long it'll last of a of a six two split. Yeah, that's another thing. It's an asset for. Have we lost Jason? No, no, no. Oh, I did. I did. I did drop for a minute. Um, uh, like uh, once again, the two uh, Byrne brothers, especially particularly Harry, when he came on, seemed to impress. 
Like he's really grabbing whenever he gets those twenty-minute cameos, and uh, when he comes on, I think he's he just looks a class player. He, he does. doesn't look flash either, does he? Like he just, <laughs> he's full of confidence. He really is, uh, which is great to see in your team. Yeah. yeah what no, do you no, think? Uh, Harry Burns. Think Arnie did enough. Like sorry. No, just uh, Harry Byrne is it could it, I I think will be the next solid incumbent in the Leinster 10 jersey. Yeah, I tend to agree. Uh, Rob Carney, do you think he has done enough? Or did he do enough? Mm, uh, much to do, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be jumping up and down about him. But then again, he's 34 and it's his first game of the season. So, you know, he, he has that knack of pulling out big games when he needs them. So that... And all the stuff he has in the locker over the years might get him selected, but I don't think his showing in that particular game is uh, is going to get him selected. But you know, like I said, he's always got a big game in there when he needs it, which yeah. hopefully might be against you know Saracens or somebody in the semi final. Yeah, as you say, just there's still a bit of road to go. I mean, there's obviously the match of the weekend, but if we win that, there's a final, there's a mm. quarter final against Saracens. So there's still a few games. That they could rotate him in if necessary, you know. You, like Larmer's not going to play every game every week, so they're going to have to no. rotate him. So, boys, we turn our attention to the Monster game. Um, it was one of the most bizarre matches I think I've seen for a while. Connacht looked like they might have caused a bit of an upset, they had potential, but then uh, the two the two lads getting the red cards and then. Uh, and it gave a glimmer of hope just coming up to half time when Munster got two yellows. Suppose, yeah. Bundy Bundy crept in. Thought they might have been they might have been able to mount a challenge, but uh, alas well, to no avail. They were always up against it and you, you notice that three tries just as soon as they hit back to fifteen players, bang, 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 three tries, game over. Uh that's always gonna happen when you when you when you've got thirteen players for a long period of the game, you might get away with it for you might get away with 13 players for 10 minutes, but you won't get away with it for whatever it was, you know, the full half. Full Probably 50 half. minutes, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, what did you think of the cards? I thought the first one, it was a bit, it was one of those Islander tackles, depending on what angle you looked at it from, it was red-yellow penalty. Um, I thought red was pretty harsh. Yeah, uh, but they're really, they're re I'd agree with you, but they're really clamping down on those type of penalties, so... Yeah. Yeah, I can. I, I personally didn't think it was a red, but I can see why it was a red. If you know what I mean. Mm. Um, yeah, the, sec the second one definitely was a was oh, a yeah, stone bunker. Yeah, well, elbow pointed the elbow into your neck is not a good look. Um, yeah. Replay it, it never gets any better looking. And I, I, I was surprised that both, um, friend and Quinn Rue kind of were very, you know. Yeah, fair enough. We got, we got, our, we got our rewards there. We definitely had the, the, um, you know, we definitely should have been, should have been two reds for their attitude, which that was quite, quite pleasant to see from a coach. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it's not nice when they win, Joe. Right? Not nice <laughs> when they the Richard Cockrell on it, is it? I mean, is there anything Connor can do anyway? I mean, there was nothing they could say anyway. I mean, it was their last game of the season. Um, so 
it's just a pity because I'd look forward to seeing your man Papi Lee. He looked good, like. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He yeah. did, didn't he? Just at number eight looked uh, fairly demonic as well. It has to be said. That man's a nutcase. He's a nutter. I mean, wouldn't you love to have him? When you love to have played with someone like him, like he just gives a hundred percent every time oh, yeah. he goes on the jersey. I love Bundyaki. I really do. Like, you know, he just sort of even that season that they, you know, that they won the league. That whole story. I'm sure. It was, I'm sure it had a few wings on it. But when they went into the to retrieve the was it Henshaw's laptop? Henshaw's laptop. Yeah. You know, you know what I mean? Like you just go. That's a rallying cry. That's just absolutely brilliant too. He's the kind of guy you love when he's not playing you. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. What do you think of Frank Murphy? Like, I suppose he's on a bit of a hiding to nothing, you know. He can only referee what is in front of him, but 28 cards, it's got, 28 penalties makes the game quite stop-start, doesn't it? It does, but, I mean, if the team, I mean... He, he he played the cards he was dealt, if you like, literally and metaphorically. Um, he, I don't think he had a whole lot of choice. I mean, you couldn't argue with, for example, any of the cards, uh, red or yellow. Um, I think they were all, you know, they were all justified. And it's very hard. I mean, when people say, oh, you gave away a lot of penalties, and then you go back and you look individually at each penalty and you kind of go, well, yeah, that is a penalty. Oh, that is a penalty. And, yeah, but like... It, Rugby has moved from a sport to an entertainment business. Like we have to realise that it's it's been and professional. It but it's for fine, but it's it's twenty five years professional, and it hasn't really grown. Like it, it, it sort of it took off and then it's sort of plateaued, and maybe it's plateauing because there's an awful lot of like, unless you're really a fanatic about it, you couldn't have said that. Oh, I'll sit down and watch that match at the weekend. Like if you're a GA head or a soccer head, and just with a mild passing interest in rugby, if you were sitting down watching that match, you'd say, "Jesus, like it's just so stop, start, stop, start." Another penalty. I don't understand what that penalty is for, and it's just another penalty. Or the green teams attacking, and then all of a sudden they're penalising. It's a penalty to the red team. Like that, you know, that, if you want to referee it to the letter of the law far away there's probably twice as many penalties knocking around there if they really want to delve in and see but I do think that they need to be a little bit more sympathetic to as a, as a, a product they're trying to sell yeah well, no, that, it, 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 it is a fair point part of the problem is I mean you were talking about the the soccer guys and the GA guys watching the game and I, I don't mean this to be denigrating to, to, to any football or soccer but it's the difference between uh, chess and drafts. Um, rug rugby is a very, very complex game with a complex set of laws. Yeah. If they want, I mean, attempts have been made in the past to simplify the game. And we have rugby league and we have sevens. So it, 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 it's very, very difficult to strike the balance between keeping that which is rugby union and at the same time simplifying the laws to make it a more attractive spectacle. Very, very difficult thing to do. All you can do is 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 is, is perhaps keep the laws, but the ones that gap that that govern or guarantee progressive play, you make the penalties for contravening those laws much more severe. Maybe yeah, like but I mean before it went professional, they used to say about rugby it was a great way, a great game to play, but a terrible game to watch. But 
when it was an amateur game, there were so few people watching it. It didn't, matter. it didn't really matter. <laughs> like, you know, there was very few substantially large crowds at games. You know, you would get a few for AI, big AIL games in Limerick, obviously international, but you could probably count them on two hands. Many crowds were, were crowds of, say, greater than five figures in Ireland. There probably actually not many AIL matches would have got more than four figures. But, you know, like we've kind of moved on now and people are, we're scrambling to get money from TV stations and from ad, from companies for sponsorship. It has to be attractive for people to watch and people to say, I want to watch something that flows end to end. You know, I like I like what rugby is. I like the, the gladi, gladiatorial aspect of it, but I want it to flow a little bit more than it does instead of it just staccato. Like, and they played 10 minutes of extra time of, added on time or not really injury time but 10 minutes like so that second half was 50 minutes long or 49 minutes long first half sorry you know it, was, it, 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 it probably would have, was even longer if you added in all the time for, for where the stop where the clock was stopped in, in in real time it probably took an hour um yeah yeah no i, I agree with you but the question is how do you do it and i, I, I don't know i don't know how you do it the only way you do it is you for me, in my thinking, the, the only way to do it is to make the penalties for contravening those laws which are, are, are there to protect the flow of the game much more harsh. Whether that's in terms of, you know, sin binnings or increase, increasing the value of penalties for those offences, or I don't know, um, for those specific offences, not overall. It's, it's something they have to look at. But then the idea that if you increase the value of, 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 of penalties, it means that people will be less inclined to kick for goal or kick for, uh, will be less inclined to do something that involves playing on rather than the kick for goal. And you don't want, to, you don't want games to be like they used to be again in the amateur days where you'd have a game that was, that was 18, 12 and it was all kicks. Mm. Yeah. It, 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 it is a tricky one. The only thing is, it, it, no, it's, it, there is no only thing. It's just difficult. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, boys, say one, John. that you mentioned the game going professional 25 years ago. I've tr been trying to look it up here, but it's 25 years ago, either this week or this month. It's very, very soon anyway, uh, which also means because it was done on the 100th anniversary of Rugby League turning professional. So it, it means that Rugby League is professional for or in existence for 125 years this month. Um, and it's interesting to see the way that they've dealt with exactly what you're talking about and making a spectacle um, for the game. R rugby league changed a lot of laws in the very beginning to try and make more running rugby, but they've ended up with a more one-dimensional pro product in some ways. Um, whereas rugby union preserved all its scrums and lineouts, and you know, which is diversity itself. You know, yeah. the fact that you have so many different set pieces gives you more diversity rather than just two lines of guys running at each other, you know. Um, so, yeah, just thought I'd throw that in, seeing as it's, it's this week or this month. Either Peter Stringer or Devon Toner will be able to play rugby league. Exactly. No. exactly. No. You just have a whole load of flankers playing, really, don't you? Yeah, or centres or whatever centers, you want to yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think I think with flankers, Jason was going for a bit of the old Cockney rhyming slang. <laughs> <laughs> I was going... He's going for the fact that they're the two players that got dropped originally from the from the whole uh, scenario to create rugby league. Yeah, and, interesting. and then they, they, they all they all became clones of each other. They're either centres or flankers. 
well, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna take on on Munster on uh, Friday night. Um, we finished our regular season on sixty nine points. We had uh, fifteen wins from fifteen and nine try bonuses in those fifteen games. So it was pretty impressive. Um, do you think though that this game might be a little bit of more significance to Munster than us? Not then we're not going to compete and try to win it. Of course we are. But considering, I hope we do a lot more like, than try to win it. Yeah, but like just they've lost their last two semi-finals against us in the Pro 14 last two seasons, third season now. They haven't won in Dublin since 2014, and since the match in Croke Park, and including that match in Croke Park, we played 27 times against them, and we've won 20 times, which is three quarters of the fixtures. Um, they gonna have, have, gonna have, have to go get them past the semi. Sorry, old joke. Two seasons ago, joke there. Sorry. The question is, I mean, your original question, Jay, was: Do I think Munster will want it more? Or will be up for it more? No, I don't mean do that. They, I mean, just mean they, they need they, it more. They, they they need it more. Oh, they, they certainly like, do need it more. But I don't know whether they'd be able to express that on the pitch because. Yeah. Part of what makes Leinster as good a team as good as it is is that the players have this unquenchable thirst for glory, or not for glory, just for winning. It doesn't matter about glory. I mean, glory is, is, is for everyone else. They just need to win. I'm not sure that enough Munster players are in that position yet. Yeah, I was just look, looking at their press release there the other day. Obviously, they have their two long term. Injuries, Carberry and, and uh, Orgy are both out, but they've they've kind of said that they're waiting on the fitness of John Klein. Two cases point. looking like they're going to be out, all right, yeah. Yeah. Are they even uh, open? The uh, they were saying that, well, I don't know what way, they're probably trying to keep Leinster guessing. They just said they're waiting on the fitnesses off. And then the man... Uh, Delante came off injured as well. Yeah, um, I'd say he's all right. He's a tough player. He's all right, I think. But like they finished the game with 14 players because they used all their replacements. Yeah, I think they took him off more, I mean, so, more as a precaution. Probably, yeah, yeah. yeah. But point is, though, that they played, okay, they were fucking miles ahead, but they still, you know, took him off. With a few minutes to go and play with 14 men. So I have to uh, laugh at what Van Grand said and getting his excuses in early. He mentioned five day turnaround. Um, like he wouldn't be in that situation if he had have not finished on 51 points, won more than 10 games out of their 15. And like he kept all his star players on the pitch for 60, 65 minutes. So like they were playing against Connor. Another 10 minute rest. Connacht were down to 13 men with 50 minutes to play. Like the minute that those two lads got the red card, ideally he should have taken off Connor Murray's, you know, all of the stars, the rest of them, they, Conway, Earls, etc. And let them, let them sort of uh, be rested for, for, our, for that match in, in, on Friday night. Like, you know, he really only has himself to blame. Yeah, I mean, it, it was no secret that Connacht were going to change their entire team because, you know, friend said he was going to do it. Um, 
So I don't think that Munster going full gun or, you know, with, 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 with four or five bullets in the chamber was necessary um, compared to what Connick were putting out. But I suppose, it, uh, I don't know. It's hard, it's hard to know with Frank Grant. I'm not overly convinced by him yet. Definitely not. Definitely not. Like, I mean, and you think, like, if they lose this game, they were, they, like, they, that's another disastrous season for them. Season over. Hmm? It's season over. Season over, but, like, not the, for the first time in the last few seasons that they've, you know, they've come up against a good side, they've been beaten, whether it's semi-final against us in the Pro 14 or uh, a match against Saracens in a, in a quarter-final or a semi-final. You know, um, like every, every team needs that, every team needs that one match where they come up against somebody who's favoured to beat them. That they win, whether through adversity or whatever, but they win it, and that pushes the team on to the next level. Um, Munster have had opportunities at that game, at, at that match in the past, um, and they haven't been able to take it. I don't think they've been in the position. In fairness, I don't think they've been in the, that the point in their development where they're ready to take it. Um, I'm not sure that they're in that position right now, um, but we'll know, we'll know come the weekend. Um, yeah. it's, it, 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 it's almost impossible to tell because let, let the, when, when Leinster get into finals mode, they're a different team than Leinster in the Pro 14. So it's going to be, it's going to be interesting. It, 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 it's actually a very, very difficult game to call. So always you you always say it, Dave. It's always a lottery when you're playing Munster yeah. in, this, in a knockout game. Um, Interpros are you know all bets are off kind of thing. Um, you know it's obviously we're favourites, but I know I've heard you say before, Dave, that uh, you'd rather play nearly anyone else other mm -hmm. than Munster in a knockout game because anything can happen. You know we've come out the right side, but as Jason just gave us the stat there, twenty-seven. And that includes knockouts, uh, 27 games and 20 of them won. Uh, they've only won once in Dublin since uh, that game in 2008, in October 2008, where uh, where they beat us 13, or was it 18 now? They beat us 18 now in, uh, in October yes. 2008. Um, and that was just when we got all our Isas and our CJs and our all those guys and, uh, and Rocky. And I was... I was uh, feeling confident and brought a Munster fan mate to the game and thought I could have a bit of crack with him, but uh, walked out there depressed, 18 nil. And uh, I think that since then, they beat us in 2014 in, in Lansdowne Road, and that was it. So hopefully we can keep that winning record. Someone was going to say earlier, actually, about uh, the Ulster game and the way the guys, when we were talking about how the guys um, fronted up a whole new 15, it's something... It's something that was hung around their neck to, f to follow on from the, the, my previous point about them having a culture of, of uh, no matter who's in the jersey, it's got to, you know, you got to, no matter which team you're in, no matter what, it's, it's all Leinster and you just got to bring your A game. So those guys had the weight of an unbeaten run hung around their neck uh, after no rugby for six months and they went out and they convincingly beat Ulster. Um, so, whoever whoever turns up this week is going to have an unbeaten 
record around their neck. They're going to have a monster semi-final, a knockout game, all the things we've we've said hanging around their neck, and hopefully they can uh, they can raise their game again. And uh, you know, we do have the the other advantage we do have, as Van Grant said, is the the five-day turnaround. That's got to they've got to feel that to some degree. But the other side of it is we we we. We are psychologically going to be minding ourselves a little bit for for Saracens, even if it's only a one percent thing. They they're going to have to throw everything at us because, as we just said, it's season over if they lose. So beware uh, the cornered beast. It's a bit like the European back to backs. Yeah, um, obviously the game in between, but playing the yeah. same opposition so close to one another, um, in the same competition. Uh, it's, it's, it, 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 it's an interesting thing and the, the question is you know how do those back-to-backs generally Leinster do well in the second legs obviously sometimes they haven't but generally Leinster do well in those second legs so this is the second leg he said you know basing that on absolutely nothing whatsoever um, but like it, all that you're saying about holding something back I think from Leinster's point of view their squad is so deep that they can you know if a couple of guys, like for instance, looking at our injury list, Furlong hasn't played in the opening couple of matches. We know Ryan has had his operation. He's making good progress, but is obviously, you know, was supposed to be, I don't know, many sort of four months layoff, and he's probably at two and a half months since his opt now or whatever it is. So he was warming up with the lads. Whether he's sort of pushing to start, I don't know. Likewise, Levy, he hasn't played in, what is it, I don't know, 18 months or something. Again, he, he was involved with the warm-up, but he hasn't played. So, But you you have guys, I mean, like, I don't know, again, saw a whisper of the team, like Will Con- Will Connors is, is in, and Caelan Darris. So, Recipient um, of Grabbing Your Chance with Both Hands Award. Yeah. I think like, the... They they do say in the in the t- Monday's um, injury announcement they do say that um, Levy James Ryan and Ty Furlong are all touch and go. Mm. That you know they could mm-hmm. actually feature. You could see one all or none of them on the bench this weekend. Mm. You know, yeah. Um, you have to think it'll be none, but I don't know, like. They seem to be making Levy and Ryan, who I am hearing about, seem to be making incredibly good progress. Furlong, I'm just not sure he's a back issue, and I don't know the ins and outs of it. But uh, there's the three of them are supposed to be nearing uh, nearing fitness, and like you say, two of them were on the pitch last week warming up. That's you know that on a water carrier job is pretty much a sign you're going to get selected next week. You know, so yeah. if not, maybe the week after. But uh, yeah, I, I can see them. I can see them being warmed up for Saracens anyway. You know, but like Saracens is what another three weeks away. So it's well, it's it's two it's two weeks from this weekend, isn't it? We've got the semi three this matches week. to go. No. Semi this weekend, final the following weekend, and yeah. Saracens the weekend after. So yeah, sorry, sorry, yeah. So yeah, so, so it's three match weeks before you get to it. Yeah. Well, whatever way you want. Yeah. Yeah. From uh, so from, like, last, from last Saturday to Saracens is three weeks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, like those obviously those lads are, are, you know, just those guys still have to come and and uh, filter back into the side. 
Um, but like, you know, I just just going back to my original point, I just think that this is a significant game for like this potentially could be the make or break of Van Graham as coach there. He's had what is it, two and a half seasons he's been there now? The first one and a half are pretty disjointed though, in fairness. He and he's only really got a team together just in the very, very recently. So I don't think he's gone if he doesn't win this game. No, I wouldn't say he's gone, but like, you know, it's another season of you know, out of Europe, didn't qualify for Europe and losing to Leinster in another semi final. Like that's I'm just saying it's a, a very large fear factor hanging over that entire squad. Whereas Which could make them dangerous. Well, very dangerous because, you know, we can't be complacent because just because, oh, it's another semi-final we've been added on to the, to the, I don't know, many other semi-finals in the last four or five years we've been in. Generally, we win them. But, like, if you take anything for granted and you've got someone hiding out there in the, as they say, a snake in the long grass, you know, that they're gunning for us. Here's the thing. Um, <clears throat> don't win at the weekend. Don't win in three weeks' time or whatever. Then that twenty-game unbeaten streak or twenty-one game doesn't mean shit. Yeah, you know? definitely. Um, definitely. So we can pat ourselves on the back for it all we like, but ultimately, all those games are are are, 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 are it's basically just a cue to get into where we are now. Where we are now is what matters. Um, yeah. Now, I'm certain that the team are aware of that. And I'm certain that that point has been hammered home by the coaches, but it's, you know, it's something for a lot of people to bear in mind that, you know, it doesn't matter how well you walk up to the diving board if you fall off it. Yep. It's very true. And, you know, everything from now on in this, in Leinster season is a knockout match. Mm. Everything else is played. The pool games are played. The league games are played. Everything's played. So from here, it's sudden death. So either we're going out in the semi-final and a quarter-final or we're, we're going further. Um, and obviously the other side of that is we're getting a double. So let's, uh, let's, hope, let's hope that we can keep the winning streak going for another five games. Yeah, well, we have a very tough uh, schedule ahead. Um, just looking at the other side of the, of the draw, uh, Ulster obviously have to travel over to Edinburgh. Um, Ulster's record this season was 1-8, drew 1 and 6 losses, so that's quite mediocre, you know and they ended up on 44 points and still managed to get into the semi-final. On the other hand Edinburgh had 11 of the, had eleven wins out of 15 which ended up on 51 just I think Ulster got a little rake of, of um, tri-bonus or they lost matches, they got a bonus point and they got a few try bonus points as well. But I just have you have to say, when when Richard Cockwell took over that side, we all said he hasn't you know, worked it out. Well, he hasn't worked it out, but there's no better buckle to do that. Like, oh yeah, you know, and he's really come in and within a couple of seasons has kind of changed the balance of power in Scotland from Glasgow to Edinburgh. Big time, yeah. yeah. He's done it, and he's done it by turning Edinburgh into a really, really because Edinburgh, to a certain extent, like Leinster, were cast as you know the capital city softies. 
Um, there's nothing soft about it. The lovies. That is that what they call them, Dave? Huh? The lovies. The yeah. lovies. Well, there's there's nothing there's nothing soft about that Edinburgh team now, so there's not um, either physically or mentally. Um, and I see Cockrell's already started the mind games with uh, Ulster. Um, Has he? What do you do? Oh, he's just suggesting that Ulster are the favourites, and there's no real way that Ulster that Ulster should really be winning this game. You know, um, because it's a home game for Edinburgh, and they top the league. So it's just typical Cockrell. Like he's he, he just throws these. Uh, these uh, troll bombs out there, see what he can find, see what uh, he can shake out of the trees. Um, but, you know, and, and to a certain extent, the, people look at Cockrell and they think about the stuff he says, and they kind of build a picture of him, and maybe of his teams as well, maybe it's deliberate. They build a picture of him and his teams based upon these, as I say, troll bombs that he throws out. And that takes their attention away from the fact that he's actually a superb coach who coaches, all, any team he has will have a really, really good pack and really, really well, good structured back play. And that's what Edinburgh have. And they've got very dangerous players as well. Ulster will have to, I mean, if Ulster play like they played against either ourselves or against Connacht, they're going to get a hiding. Yeah, definitely. Ulster have to be absolutely on it come, come uh, Saturday. Otherwise, they're going to get a hiding. Of course, the thing that, that we do have to remember is Ulster kind of knew that going into this series, Ulster were in that position where they couldn't really be caught from below and they weren't going to catch up above. So the only games that really mattered to them were the Edinburgh game and the Claremont, no, not Claremont, uh, to lose game. So they kind of, to a certain extent, there's something we, we, we should mention, that they could kind of, you know, not, 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 not really uh, uh, spaff off the two games that they had, but they didn't have to be absolutely on it for them because what matters is Saturday. Mm. Like it's not too dissimilar to what happened last season for us. Do you remember we were going great games until about March? And the season before. And the season before, yeah. I can't I can't remember off the top of my head. But I think we we lost I think we lost four and drew one or something like that in our last six games. Some you know we so. were so far ahead that ultimately I mean who knows, maybe that did do for us against Saracens that time, you know, in the final. I don't know. Or who who knows? Maybe engineering a bit of a slump was what made us peak for it, and now we're not going to. So you know, you can read that any way you like. <laughs> maybe so. Maybe so. Um, yeah. So I was going to say one other thing about that uh, Ulster Edinburgh match. Um, it was actually just it was good to see that um, Edinburgh had there was seven hundred people locked up or allowed to rock up um, to that derby match at the weekend, and I see. Twickenham is talking about having 20,000 at um, well, Baba's game against England in a few weeks' time. It's and based on Edinburgh anyway. It was based on proximity to the stadium. So I'm looking good, lads. You're <laughs> laughing, yeah. If we ever do, the will be. I think be, a number like that that England would have would be very, very precipitous at this point in time. Um, it hasn't gone away, you know. Mm. No, exactly, exactly. Might be just a bit too soon. But um, some good news, I suppose, from from uh, Europe today was that they've come up with a format. Brexit's over. For, 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 the, new, for the new Heineken Cup um, for next season. So there's going to be 24 teams in it, split into two groups. So if we, if we get to the final, we will be seeded one. 
from the Pro 14 side. And we will play them, the, the fourth ranked teams from Pro 14, uh, Gallagher Premiership and the top 14. Is that the way it's going? One versus yeah. four? Yeah. They, made, they made a bit of a, a, a mess of the announcement because they originally announced that the seeding was based on points totals in the Pro 14 so that no matter what happened, Leinster would be the number one seed out of the Pro 14. And then the Pro 14 said, no, 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 that's not the way we're doing it. We're doing it this way. So mm. everything had to be deleted and retweeted or re reposted because... They obviously one side had taken one thing out of it, and the other side had taken the other thing out of whatever agreement they'd come to. So it it was uh, like like many things uh, at at this point in time, um, there was a certain amount of confusion, but they seem to have sorted it out. Yeah, yeah so it's good. And then they're going to have they're going to have home and away quarterfinals, which I also thought was oh, an right. interesting an interesting addition. Um, and then the final is going to be in Marseille, which is yeah. obviously where. This year's tournament should have been played. Thanks, mate. Um, just, just one thing. Uh, just going back to Europe. Alan Kavanagh asks: Va- Van der Fleer or Connors for Saracens? Ooh, what a great problem to have. Um, yes. Like they're both phenomenal tacklers, uh, different kind of tacklers. Um, Connors is just great at chopping them down, so that might get him selected. Um, Whereas Josh, they both can tackle and get back up and tackle again and, you know, do that all game. Um, Connor's a bit taller, maybe a better line-out option. Um, the engine on Josh van der Fleer, though, is, I suppose the engine on both of them, really. There's, there's not a huge amount to choose in terms of engine because they're both just Duracell bunnies, um, which, is, which is what you need at seven. Uh, I suppose Josh might be better on the groundwork, being a little bit shorter. Um, but I don't think it's going to be, you know, there, there are other guys that can do that in the team as well. So it's very, it's a very close call. I'd say it might go on what happens if Connors is selected this week, who's going to be selected for the, if we win, who, who is going to be selected for the final, you know, it's, it's a great problem to have. And then you've got uh, Dan Levy waiting in the wings who can play six, seven and even eight at a, at a push. So. Like the shit you can do with the nine players we have in our back row is just stupid. Are we are we kind of make because we've got so many good players in that back row? Are we kind of going to create problems for ourselves down the road, or maybe even next season? That there's all these guys. So you've got Josh van der Fleer, who you know, an Irish, um, say regular in the Irish side. You know, I know Dan Levy's been out, but he's been And then you've got Dan Levy coming back, who was an Irish international. And then you have, you know, you've got, um, say, Connors as well. He would be so an Irish international at the Italy game had done ahead. Yeah. yeah. So so you've got these three guys all vying for the same jersey in the club. That, like, regardless of what, regardless of whether the IRFU get involved, the players are going to say, Hang on a second. I I just can't. I want to. I want to push my international stakes forward. And I, you know, there's a guy here who's got thirty Ireland caps. There's another fellow who's got five Ireland caps. And I'm trying to just make my way. I'm out of here. I need to get game time. We're losing one of them. 
just I haven't even mentioned like, I mean, you haven't even mentioned Scott Penny, Jason. Who's, no, who's, but okay, there's another one. And like you know, player as well. We're not talking, is, I'm not talking about great high refu conspiracy here or anything like that. But just from the fact that these are world, approaching world class players, or certainly international class players, who need to be playing regular rugby in order to, pro, pro, as you say, push their international uh, credentials forward. And at this point in time, they can't. Some of them can't. Because there's only so many places. There's only so many games. Yeah. So, I, I, the whole I, thing, I just, one of them could shift to number eight. But then you've got Doris and uh, Deegan. Deegan. One can switch to six. Then and you've got Doris and Deegan. So you've got yourself a situation where, you know, just speaking as a fan of the players themselves and leaving aside the whole provincial thing, one of, them's got, one, one, of them will, one of them will have to leave. I'm not saying we want them to leave. We certainly don't. But for their own careers, one of them is going to have to leave, at least. hundred yeah. percent. Like, and it's sad that, like, it's if there was, and then you see, you've also got the fact that, say, the other clubs. There's only three other clubs in Ireland, or yeah. provinces in Ireland, and they're not developing their their own players as quickly as they possibly should. So therefore, there's gaps in there. Um, you know, in, in their roster, that these lads could easily slot in. If there was someone as equally as good as Van de Fleer or, or Penny in the Connacht squad or the Ulster squad. Sorry? They'd be playing for Ireland. Well, like, there wouldn't be an opportunity for these lads to move because there'd be someone as equally as good as them in, in their position in Galway or in Belfast or, or in Limerick. So, like if there's if there's someone who's not as good, guest like it's only natural that the IRF you want to have somebody who's excellent playing rugby for at a professional level rather than tipping around playing for Lansdowne or UCD. Yeah, I, I agree, and it's not even the. I mean, like I said before, it's not even the IRA. The players themselves, because yeah. they're top professionals, will want to be playing re regular rugby, which. You know, they can't really do it at Leinster. I mean, there are, there are advantages at Leinster. If you're, say, uh, getting... I mean, if you're a top player, like, and I'm not talking about, like, the... But if you're a top player and you've got lots of games in November and lots of games in February and March, you don't want to be playing lots of games in November. You don't want to be playing lots of games in February and March. You want to be play off in the Ireland squad. You want to be in Carton House. You don't want to be, you know, playing pro... pro, pro, pro Pro 14 rugby. And if, if the only games you're going to get are during those periods of time, then you're kind of going to have to leave. It's unfortunate for the players uh, and it's unfortunate for Leinster, but for the players' careers and for, their, for the benefit of the Irish team, where you have the, as wide a selection base as possible. Hmm. Yeah, Pas de Choix. Yeah, I, I, I saw something somewhere or I was talking to someone and they were saying, but then you might have a situation where you've got young young players who will say, I quite like living in Dublin. It's where my family is. My friends live here. Like even from a practical point of view, I could have bought a home here. And, you know, rather than up sticks and move, I'm happy to play seven games for Leinster, playing in the best club in Europe playing with some of the best players in Europe 
and training in one of the best facilities in Europe and then playing a substantial number of my games in front of 18,000 or 45,000 people. Or I can up sticks and go, let's say, to Galway, where, you know, if they want, if, if, if um, Connacht are playing against Toulouse in the European Cup, they've got to get on a bus and drive to Dublin to catch a plane. Whereas it's a taxi ride, you know, in, if you live in Dublin. It's not a two hour drive. The training facilities, I presume, aren't as quite as up to the same standard as the one in UCD. And obviously, sports ground, while it's a great little stadium and a good atmosphere, it's not quite up to the same level of playing in the Aviva three or four times a year in front of 50,000 people. You know, like it's a, there's probably a part of human nature saying, do you know what? I'm actually happy here and I'm happy to be part of the best club in the world, but just take my six to eight games a season instead of playing 16 or 18. I don't know if I'm that attitude actually survives in Leinster? Maybe not. Because that, and I, I know, I understand what you're saying, but if you think about it, the other side of that, that's, you know, to a certain extent, a limited ambition. And at the level Leinster are at, no player has limited ambition. Mm. You see what I'm saying? I, it's not meant to be a no, I do, I do. No, no, I'm just saying like that if you're, let's say you're, I don't know, I'm trying to think of somebody like, like to say you're a young centre coming through now, mm. right? So you're a young centre coming through and you look at, well, Gary Ringrose is pretty much, unless he's injured, he's probably going to start for Ireland. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And then the other centre is um, Robbie Henshaw. So Robbie Henshaw is probably in the top three other centres in the country. So depending on form and injuries, he's probably going to be in the, in the national squad. So it's hard to say, I'm, so if, if we're playing in the Heineken Cup and we're playing in the, the Christmas match in the Aviva and both those lads are fit, both those guys are playing. So, you, you know, if you're a young centre coming through, you're thinking, right, well, you know, I'd love to be playing in, instead of Guy Ringrose, but Guy Ringrose is, say, 25. He's here in front of me for at least another five years. Now I have to play, I have to be super to get on the team ahead of him. You know, now you might think to yourself, I'm, I'm a very good player, but Harry Ringrose is probably going to go on the lines. That means he's one of the best eight centers or six centers in, in, in Europe. You know, like that's a big ask to say, I think I'm better than him. So, and the other side of the because you're not playing in the, say, the Heineken Cup games or the big uh, interpros, um, you're not getting the opportunity to show that you're as good or better than Gary Ringrose. Because yeah. at the end of the day, if no matter how well you play against Treviso or Zebra or Ospreys, people are going to go, ah, well, it was only Treviso, Zebra or Ospreys. Yeah. So there's, there's the guy, when you're first starting out, you really want to be playing those games because when the internationals are away that's great opportunity for you to play right so when you're first starting out that's brilliant like you get to play you get to play in november you get to play in in in, in uh, january february and you get to play or february march and you get to play those other games so that's great but then you reach a certain point 
where if you're still playing those games, you're not playing against Munster in the Aviva, or you're not playing against the big English team in the Aviva, or you're not going away to the south of France, or you're, you're going away, but you're, you're a water cart, a water boy. It be, it become, and then you look and say, okay, well, okay, like, you, like in your example, well, there's Henshaw and there's Ringrose there. Right? Okay, they're, they're getting those. Where am I going to get my opportunity? And you start to look around. And that's why, certainly in the back row, because there's only one open side flanker, although you, you know, there are two flankers, there's only one open side flanker. So there's only one spot every week. You're kind of yeah. thinking, well, if I look around, okay, Jordy Murphy's gone up to Ulster. He's going he's gonna to get, you look at, you look at, you look at, uh, you look at Munster, you look at Connacht, and there's not much massive, not massive, I mean, Connacht and Munster are good players, but they've got a South African there. So, yeah. So, just, do we find any, do we, while we're kind of talking about European stuff, um, I just want to mention um, a guy, a lot of people, maybe a lot of people watching will know, um, from traveling to European matches, uh, Eric Pelly, um, who was, who sadly passed away there the other day. Uh, Eric was, was a great Leinster fan. Uh, he was based out of London, but he was from Dublin. And yeah, he was one of the nicest, most genuine, kindest men I've ever met. Um, if you were away, you were, you were never on your own if Eric was around. Like you could, you could walk into a pub in a city that you'd never been in before, and a pub you'd never been in before, with, in a pub full of people you'd never met before. If Eric was there, you weren't on your own. Because Eric would look after you. He was that kind of. He was. He, had, he was a kind, genuine man. And obviously, his family. He'd be missed by his family. A lot of us would know his brother Connor, who who goes to a lot of matches. Um, but uh, I, I'll certainly miss him uh, going forward. I know a lot of people will. So, you'd be missed, Eric. Yeah, great guy. That's great man. Have a few pints as well. <laughs> yeah, he was. Oh, that he also led me astray a time or two. That has to be said. <laughs> Yep. Thank you. Let us all astray. God bless him. Absolutely. God bless him. Okay, boys, as ever, thanks a million. Thanks very much for watching. And if you are uh, following us on Facebook or Twitter, please give us a like and a thumbs up. Thanks a million, lads. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 